This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You are listening to Reception Perception, the show. Matt, as we head into headlong into weekend number 15, first week of the fantasy playoffs. Uh, how are you feeling about the fantasy playoffs, man? I'm feeling pretty good, man. Uh, I've got some teams that, um, you know, you know how it is when you're in a bunch of leagues and stuff like that. Yeah. There's ones you care about. There's ones you really don't. Mm-hmm. I've got at least two <laughs> in leagues that I really want to perform well including my my dynasty league with uh with a few folks uh and i uh, mean i i'm i'm gassed up i i have this dreaded feeling that uh i actually had rich rebar on the yahoo podcast earlier and we played last week and he i beat him i've won five of my last six and but now we're Ooh. matched up again based on his total points oh, and my division okay. standing and we're matched okay. up again this week and i i just have this dreaded feeling that I'm not gonna, I can't beat him two weeks in a row. So I'm, I'm pretty nervous about that. But otherwise, feel good about where my teams are. I, I definitely feel like this year, I have so much. Um, I, I so many. All my good teams have Josh Allen and Tyler Lockett. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, so um, it was it was weird this year for me. Is like with especially with the quarterback stuff. Like I almost always either got Josh Allen or Tom Brady, and it's like the Allen teams all good. The Brady teams all bad so that's <laughs> <that>. <laughs> you know it, it's um it's funny too because um the whole and th- there's no shade at all to to the whole late round quarterback thing um or to late late round qb himself but i'm just saying i i feel like we have to like i don't know maybe recalibrate a little yeah. bit coming into this offseason because i'll tell you what man like the positional advantage you get from either patrick mahomes or josh allen this year I, i'm in the jalen same hurts boat. bro that's my, my other hurts really good too. team as jalen hurts yeah this is a weird year because there usually are like two or three jalen hurtsy type players and this year you got mm-hmm. one yeah you had jalen yeah. that's it uh, but again, I, I mean, if you ponied up for Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, and by the way, their prices get driven down pretty hard, just unbelievable positional uh, advantage uh, from those handful of, or just a few guys. It's not even a handful. It's just a few guys that are really just outpacing the group. And, um, and man, you really, if you don't get those guys, you really need a hit on a bunch of dudes to make up for that positional disparity. So I just feel like maybe as we go into 2023, we kind of sort of need to evaluate that or maybe reevaluate that. But 
neither here nor there. Uh, we go into the fantasy playoffs here today, um, and we got a great show lined up in front of us. Uh, should we just get right into it, man? Let's talk about the Bills, uh, shall yeah. we? What's old is new again. You know what I mean? Cole Beasley, John Brown, uh, <laughs> two guys that very familiar with the Bills organization. Here they are. They're, they're back with the Bills, baby. Yeah. Um, they obviously brought John Brown back, I think it was a handful of weeks ago. Like I didn't even know yeah, he was on their practice squad at yeah, and I didn't even know he was on their practice squad um, heading into that game. They played on Thursday night against the Patriots, and um, you know, I was like getting news alerts that they activated him from the practice squad. You know, long-time reception perception folks know I love John Brown. Like, I was a of big course. fan of Brown's game in Arizona. Um, you know, uh, was all over him the year he went to Buffalo. Was all over him the year he went to Baltimore, too, and he, he was having a nice first half of the year. Um, there, I just always been a huge fan of his game. Uh, his second season, he had a, had a big season in Arizona before all the sickle cell stuff. Right. But so I was like, Oh my God, John Brown is back. Let's go. And, and, and not like a very serious way, but just cause yeah. I mean, he, he bounced around a bajillion teams last year. Right. Never really, I don't even think he made an impact at all. He got cut in the off season from the Raiders, but it was like, Oh wow. That's interesting that he's, that he's back there. Kind of, kind of cool to see. And then this Cole Beasley thing, which obviously they wow. signed him to their practice squad and I, he'll be, he'll be on the active roster and he'll be probably playing even Isaiah McKenzie, their uh, current slot receiver was like, you know, the, basically tweeted something to the effect, like the floor is all yours. Um, Cole Beasley. <laughs> I also love that. <laughs> I also love that. Yeah. You know, somebody replied back to him and said like, he, well, whatever, you know, anti-vaxxer thing. And I, McKenzie was like, he's our anti-vaxxer loser. So <laughs> just, <laughs> Oh, uh, he, he's, um, by the way, he has said some other very troubling things in yeah. some of his rap lyrics as well, man. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, uh, not 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 ideal. Um, not in ideal. terms of no, yeah, not ideal. But uh, you know, I, uh, some folks have pointed out the fact that maybe you know, from a just a pure football standpoint, uh, the Bills have kind of sort of missed a, a very reliable slot receiver like Cole Beasley was for them uh, for a good chunk of the year last year. I think this one really set off alarm bells to me, like especially in conjunction with the John Brown edition. Cause I think this, I, I think it's like says it without saying it, that Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, the bills brain trust feels like they're a bill, like their experiment and their, their moves to, to progress the receiver core to its next era has failed here. Uh, like their bets didn't hit on these guys. Like they thought that Gabe Davis could, you know, elevate himself to be a consistent out number two outside receiver. I think by all accounts, that bet has failed this year. You know, he's gone under 40 yards in seven of his 12 games and, you know, production stats, not everything, but that jives very well with the player that we thought Gabe Davis was going to be coming into this year, that he is a guy that can absolutely burn down the field, post routes, corner routes, nine routes. That's great stuff. But he is not a consistent player in the short to intermediate game. And that's troubling when you're going to be like a, I mean, he's out there running around on just about every single drop back. He's too inconsistent to be that player. And he also doesn't have consistent hands either. Like you either need to have inconsistent hands and be a great separator, or you need to be uh, a great separator. With like, you can't be both. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. uh, and then, right. and then McKenzie too, I talked about this when I wrote up his reception perception profile. I'm sure I talked about it on the show too, that, yeah, his his RP scores looked really good in a very limited role last year as like a gadget guy. Could he progress to being something else? I think the answer so far is no. Like, I mean, I think that experiment has failed. He looks more like a kick returner trying to play receiver. And, you know, for whatever reason, despite the fact Khalil Shakir has flashed a couple times that he's been on the field, they don't seem interested in throwing him out there. So um, I think this is an interesting admission by the Bills who have 
I think Brandon Bean's executed one of the best rebuilds, one of the best team builds in the last probably 10 years of football. But this wide receiver uh, gamble this offseason, maybe you want to call it a gamble, or at least the bets that he made to progress it from the group that Josh Allen had in like 2019 to 2020 um, to just this past year, I think uh, what they're dealing with now, I think I think he's lost this bet at least. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at some of the numbers for Gabe Davis, and uh, you know, again, people were expecting a big jump forward, but um, you have him tracked down here as sixty-four percent success rate versus man, which is not very good um, at yeah, all. Sub, well below subpar. league average. Yeah, that's below league average. And then success rate versus zone, you've got him at seventy-five percent, um, which is again an extremely low number. Uh, you would like that, you know, again, somewhere above 80%. If you're not going to be great at man, where are you winning? Right. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. he's not winning against man. He's not winning against zone, Matt. Um, you know, you need, you talk about the lack of separation. Well, there it is, right? Like he's not yeah. very, he's not separating either against man or zone. <laughs> and we've highlighted on this show a lot of times that, Hey, listen, you might not be great against man coverage, but that's okay. As long as you have a role separating in zone coverage, right? Um, part mm-hmm. of that too is the route selection that they they have drawn up for him too. You know, it's like, hey, listen, it, it's going to be awfully difficult uh, to win against zone coverage when you are running these deep nines, right? Yeah, um, totally. Corner, corner post routes. That's going to be tough too. Um, so I don't know, maybe, by the way, I, I don't feel like we've talked about this enough. But how much does this team forget about the receivers? How much does this team miss Brian Dable? Um, I think Maybe, Dable yeah. was able to kind of sort of able to scheme these guys open just a little bit. Um, and I think they certainly miss his play calling as well. It's really tough because there's a lot going on with the bills, right? Like Josh Allen's elbow injury. How much has that contributed to the recent slump? Um, how much uh, Rich Rebar had a stat on uh, when we were ta- when I was talking to him today that the bills have scored on like, 10.5% of their second half scored a touchdown 10.5% of their second half drive since their bye week. Like, I mean, they've, mm. that's not what we expect from the bills offense, no. right? Like, no. um, so Josh Allen's elbow, how much does that have something to do with it? You know, how about, how does, how much does, uh, how much blame does Ken Dorsey need to wear in all this as he's taken over the offensive coordinator job? I, I don't know. Cause at different points in the year, I mean, I remember that, that one game, I think it was against the Packers like early on this year where they they were lights out in the first half could basically just do whatever they wanted. And then the second half, like Josh Allen threw some picks, whatever. Um, yeah. And it almost kind of felt like they're playing with their food a little bit, you know, like they're just mm-hmm. bored and like just kind of testing to see what they could get away with. But that, that offense is a far cry from what we've seen lately. And look, I think, I think, I think all that stuff can still be true. And, you can still be extremely disappointed with the production that they've gotten out of and the play that they've gotten out of the non Stefan Diggs guys in this offense. I mean, you know, they, they try to bring in like a receiving back and, you know, James cook and they trade for Naheem Hines and neither one of those guys has been a consistent factor in the offense. Um, how much does, how much does that come back down to coaching? I, I really don't know, but um, just the fact that it, it's crazy that the bills offense is what it is. And by the way, it's still a very good offense. Like on paper. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still great. Like we're talking about just like picking nits at it, right? Like they can win <laughs> right. it. They can win a Super Bowl, I think, with Gabe Davis as a number two receiver <laughs> or whatever. Like it doesn't matter. Right. But at yeah. the end of the day, it's just the fact that they don't have anyone that they can count on on a consistent route by route basis except Stefan Diggs. And hey, 
again, that's all right. Diggs is one of the five, three best receivers in pro football. Okay. So that's, he can, he can bear a lot of the weight here, but yeah, I just, I think, you know, especially in fantasy people like, Oh, target shared for Gabe Davis. It doesn't matter. Cause he's going to be playing with Josh Allen. It's like, well, you still have to be, if you're going to be out there as like a legit number two receiver, every I don't think Gabe Davis sucks. I just think Gabe Davis is a very, very, very limited player. He has, he's he's kind of like a one trick pony he's in the will fuller zone uh for people to oh, yeah. I think if you want to oh, think yeah. of that that analogy right like and, and that's just that's not for everybody from a fantasy perspective i can live with that volatility but from a real life perspective i think that it's a big big problem with the bills and you, you don't have to believe me look at what the bills are doing okay like they're telling you that that themselves when they're bringing back these guys that they have gotten good play from and i'm not sure james i'm not sure that John Brown is going to go out there and, you know, be a big factor <laughs> or even Cole Beasley is going to go out there and be a big no. factor, but, but it yeah. shows that it shows that they're looking for something. And when they're looking, when somebody's looking for something it means they're not happy with what they've got. Yeah. I mean, they're just throwing, they're just throwing anything at it right now. That's what it seems yeah. like. Um, to your point, um, look, Khalil Shakir, ha- has he developed? I-, I guess the answer is no. Um, and, you know, you kind of want these young players, especially this late into the season, to have shown you something. You know what I mean? Um, and I think the opportunity was certainly there for Shakir uh, to step forward if he did develop uh, into a consistent playmaker for this team. You know what's crazy, too, Matt? You kind of take a look at what Josh Allen is doing, and he really is. They're asking him to put on the Superman cape each and yeah. every week. And for the most part, he kind of sort of has done that. I mean, the guy is on pace uh, to have more passing yards than he did last year. He's on pace to have a higher completion percentage just by a tick uh, than last year. Um, He's going to have on pace, again, fewer interceptions than last year as well. So there's a lot of things um, to really like about Josh Allen. He really has put the cape on. But I think the reason people bring up the offense is because just from an eyeball standpoint, there's just something yeah. off about yeah. this Buffalo offense to the visual aspect of it. But from a statistic standpoint, Josh Allen's actually going to be slightly better than he was last year, which is saying something because I thought last year he was absolutely phenomenal. It just feels different when you when mm-hmm. you watch them, when you take in a Bills game. It doesn't feel like they can take over a game, you know, even in a matchup with the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving, like they had to scratch right. and claw to win yeah. that one. And and look, maybe it's um it's kind of funny, right? Because last year or different times when the Bills offense has been like blowing teams away, it's like, can they really win close games? And now they're like, you know, winning some of these close games. And it's like, yeah, but can they blow teams away? It's like, well, geez. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a good point. Oh my God. That's such a good point. It's um, like maybe you know what's <laughs> I'll say this too. You know, I don't think Sean McDermott, who is a defensive minded guy. Um, I don't, he, he, they point to the offense because that's always the shiny object, man. You know, this defense has taken a pretty significant step back too. They're not the shutdown unit uh, they were last year. And obviously injuries have played a huge part of that, but you would expect a defensive minded head coach, Sean McDermott, uh, to coach these boys up a little bit. I don't necessarily know uh, if that is the case, but anyways, that is, that's the bills. It's Kaylee. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. What about Jerry Judy? Randomly, just an absolute explosion game there in week 14. Went absolutely bonkers. Best game of the season for him. Uh, Nine targets, eight receptions, 73 yards, and count them three touchdowns that came out of absolutely nowhere this dude had three touchdowns all year long yeah i mean he went like he was going berserk during the game too um he like he's gonna get fined for like bumping into an official taking his hell off helmet off like you know demanding the ball or or being upset that um you know there was like not holding calls that weren't going his way um let's let's stay on that game and then we'll go wide view with Jerry Judy in the offense. I feel like kind of a corpo bro saying that, but uh, but that is that's what it is. So <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, well, actually, you know, at first, first, let's kind of revisit Jerry Judy via reception perception and, and sort of my thoughts about him as a player um, okay. coming into the year. I, you know, you and I were were really not into the Denver Broncos situation. We were no. we were we were kind of on an island at that one, saying that like we were we. Well, look, I don't think either of us expected them to be like struggling to score fourteen freaking points in a game, but. <laughs> Right. But we were we were not as gassed up about Russ and these guys as everybody else. And a big part of it, at least for me, was that I didn't think Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy were all that like good or proven players. Like I think they were, you know, Sutton has shown to be like an average starting receiver at best. I don't think he's a legit number one. I think that that this this year has borne out that case. And Judy, I thought, was like a very inconsistent um, guy that we didn't quite know who he was yet because his rookie season in reception perception was pretty promising. His second season was terrible, but how much could you write that off due to the injury? Um, I definitely think based on the in-season charting data, uh, you know, he's at a set um, and I just updated that this on the website today. So you can find it on the in-season tracker there. 70.3% success rate versus man coverage. That's a nice jump from where he was last year. 71.4% success rate versus press. Again, a nice jump from where he was last year. So I think last year, 2021 was really injury affected. However, you know, still 70.3. That's fine. 71.4. That's fine. 71.7% success rate versus zone is pretty terrible. Um, I, I don't think... I don't think he's a, like this, you know, he comes into the NFL with this reputation as like a great refined route runner. I don't yes. think he's really that guy at all. I, I don't think, I don't see that. He sort of reminds me like Amari Cooper in that way that, and they're both Alabama receivers. They come into the NFL with this reputation as a big time craftsman and they showed flashes of it in their early careers. I don't think Cooper's that guy either. I think actually both of these guys are sort of on a similar axis of players that, 
they're both very inconsistent, like splash play threats. I think that's who Jerry Judy was. So for him to go out there and have some kind of big ass random game like that, I'm actually not that surprised because I sort of think that fits with at least my evaluation of who Jerry Judy is. My criticism with Judy has always been he takes, he's got these moves, but he stacks them a little bit oh, too yeah, much. So I, I don't know if that yeah. makes any sense, right? Like he just, he, I know he's got the moves, but you can't stack three moves on top of each other, right? I feel like it disrupts the timing of a play, right? Like it takes him forever to break out of that slant route, right? And like when he does, yeah, he's open, but golly, it takes a long ass time uh, for him to get into that. I don't know if that jibes with what you've kind of seen on film too. I, Yes, I think so. He It's a lot of wasted movement. It's a lot of moves to, it's a lot of like, you know, stuff to get you nowhere, a lot of stuff to get you nowhere. So um, I, I don't know. I, I I think that that part of it, and that looks real good when you're, you know, running routes on air, you're posting stuff on Instagram, right. whatever. That yes. stuff looks great, but it's not translatable to real football or even like one-on-one drills and training camp. But yeah, I, I think he's, but he does have flashes and he, same thing with Cooper. That's why Cooper, I think gets put into these like, great route running um, clips and videos. And he gets put in there Mm. for the rankings and stuff like that, because he does flash that ability to do that. But then, yeah, sometimes it's a little too much. Sometimes it's a little too inconsistent. And I think, look, like Cooper is one of the most, uh, everybody looks at these home road splits with Amari Cooper. Like, why does he do nothing on the road and he does everything at home? And I'm like, that could easily just be like, he's a a volatile player, man. Like he, that, that has been the case for throughout the entire course of his career. And I think Judy is kind of in that same bucket, but, um, this this game in particular, this this game against Kansas City, a couple of takeaways. Number one, okay. um, I think for for the Broncos offense in general, it's so low ceiling that when you get one of these guys out the mix, like the other can have big games, right? Like when you get Cortland Sutton out of there, Jerry Judy can have big games. When you get when you get Jerry Judy out of there early in the season, that's when Corlin Sutton was having all of his big games. So right. there's just not enough meat on the bone for both of these guys to eat. That's number one. Um, number two, I think the Chiefs defense is pretty bad. <laughs> and the Chiefs defense <laughs> runs a lot of press man coverage yeah. and they b- blow a lot of touchdown. They blow a lot of coverages when they get in zone. I think perfect example. First touchdown for Jerry Judy was just a straight up press man go route. Um, and it was a really nice, really nice route by him. Real late separation there. He gets to touch on them. The third, the second one was just a straight out coverage bust on an out route in zone coverage in the end. I mean, nobody is around him. So that's right. great, but not a lot of credit to him. The, the, the last one, probably the most interesting one again, press man running a post route, uh, pretty shout, like not a deep post route. Cause you're in the red zone there. You're close. He's running it right into the end zone. But I'm telling you that he didn't have too much separation there. That was a damn dime by uh, Brett Rippon forcing that thing in there. That was a, a real, real low uh, percentage, real high degree of difficulty throw. So I feel like that sort of encapsulates the Jerry Judy experience, though. It's very uh, boomer bust type of stuff. So, you know, spinning it forward, I, I don't know against Arizona if I'm I'm chasing that, especially if Brett Rippon is, no. uh, is out there. But I think he is an interesting player, though, just because I could see him being – Everybody wants to know like who's going to who's going to be the wide receiver that goes on the move this offseason like all the guys that we saw in the offseason of 2022 you know who's going to be the big trade piece I mean shoot Jerry Judy is not like as sexy as 
Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, or A.J. Brown, but I could see him being a guy kind of going into, you know, the fifth-year option uh, time when you got to make a decision on him. You know, Denver being not too happy with him, maybe he's a guy they they explore a trade with in the offseason. Yeah, you talk about the corner play there for uh, Kansas City. I, I think it's obviously been, you know, below average for much of the season, although I think there is some reason for optimism. Uh, this rookie, Trent McDuffie, I think he's really rounding into form. Um, and, uh, and I'm actually intrigued, you know, some of the, uh, some of the analytic scores that have come out for Trent McDuffie, uh, at least early mm. on look pretty promising. So that's certainly one because remember McDuffie, um, got injured really early on in the season, missed a big old chunk of the season and is now coming back. Uh, I think he came back in week nine. I want to say, yeah. uh, and might be sort of rounding into form there. Okay. So if we stay in that game, uh, Matt, Jarek McKinnon came out of absolutely <laughs> nowhere. I'll tell you what's a funny story, man. Uh, I'm in the, I'm in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, my team is um, like second in points. Okay. Uh, and, and if I, but if I win, um, I would tie the guy who's in first and I would win the regular season championship just based off of points. Um, and I'm going up against like the second to, to, to last team in, in my league. And this guy's got freaking Jerry Judy and Jarek McKinnon, dude. I'm like, oh, what? No God. way. <laughs> Are you serious? Despicable. What is going on, man? Which is obviously why this guy's team sucks for the season, right? right. Like yeah, Jerry Judy, yeah, Jarek yeah, yeah. McKinnon are, are two of this guy's main pieces. But I'm like, golly, I've, I've ran into a goddamn buzzsaw. Uh, there in week yeah, 14, really but no, do. Jarek McKinn came out of absolutely nowhere. He is the guy from a profile standpoint that it's like, he's the guy that we should all love in fantasy football, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's out there the most, like he plays the most snaps of all the running backs. He's got pass catching chops. He's somebody that we should be excited about, but you know what? He's done absolutely nothing this year, except in week 14, the guy drops a three touchdown bomb. Uh, in fantasy football, it, it was just, I mean, he looked great. Yeah, I, I would kind of disagree that he's done nothing. I mean, from like a production standpoint, I get it. He's and, and at different times, this back, this has been a three man backfield. And I mean, right. that's the worst when you've got when you like when you got a three man backfield, just, you know, absolutely forget about it. Like it, it ain't going to happen for your for your favorite sleeper or your favorite right running back when it's a when it's a three man backfield. This is not going to happen. Um, however, I think it's been pretty clear that uh, the the. Chiefs just really trust Jarek McKinnon, that they really oh, yeah. like him out there. They like him in pass protection, but they even kind of like him in weird. That's the thing that's a little tough with his usage because I think it would be – it's tempting to think like, oh, Pacheco is their banger back, and then uh, McKinnon's their passing down back, but that's not necessarily the case. I mean, they don't want to give uh, Isaiah Pacheco much passing work, but they also give McKinnon like short yardage stuff, like they in you know goal-to-go situations, stuff like that. So – it is pretty clear that they do trust him. You know, each of the last two weeks, he's been 30% uh, of the team rushing carries. Like, that's that's pretty good. Uh, I think, I mean, going into this week, too, they get Houston, who has been run on more than anybody else in the NFL. Right. Uh, like, I feel like if you're hurting for running backs, like, I actually think McKinnon, if he's available, and he's depends on the platform you play on, like, how available he is. But, right. He, he could scoop him up and, and start him this week. Like it's not point chasey just because of the matchup with Houston and, and the, the fact that they still use him as like a base back uh, in addition to the passing game stuff. But yeah, man, I, I, the, the McKinnon stuff is interesting. I definitely think they trust him. I definitely think that um, he's emerged as like the most reliable guy there, but 
man, how do you not like look at Pacheco and and think uh, they need to give that guy the ball more a little bit? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the guy's got, I mean, just his size speed combination, man, looks great. Uh, And obviously he was a clear cut guy that I loved in the preseason. Um, that, uh, that was obviously buried a little bit in the depth chart and was a seventh. I was surprised to be honest with you that he was a seventh round pick or whatever he was. I think he was seventh round pick, right? Um, yeah. Seventh round pick out of Rutgers. I I was surprised by that. When you're looking at a guy, uh, that's got that kind of athleticism, I get that he's not very lateral, but man, that North South speed with that size. Come on now. Give me some of that all day long, especially and he landed in the perfect spot too. like Kansas yeah, City. Of great offense. And, you know, who's he got in front of him? Uh, CEH and I, Rojo, who I guess doesn't even exist uh, on that team right now. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, listen, um, Kansas City, I think, uh, has done a good job with Jarek McKinnon. Um an interesting one, I, and and somebody that you just kind of feel like is going to make a play for them, man, uh, in the playoffs. You know what I mean? I think so, too. I think he's emerged as a pretty crucial piece for them. Uh, you know, just the last three weeks, 31.6% targets per route run, 15.4%, 37.5% against Denver. So um, that's pretty nice. Like, when he's out there, he, he's definitely like a safety valve. You know, obviously, they've they've kind of been – searching for wide receiver answers all year long. And I'm not sure they've totally found them. So I think McKinnon can be a pretty big piece for them. And and just on Pacheco too, you know, I remember um, he's still so, he's still so raw. Like I remember talking with uh, Austin Eckler earlier in the year after they played those guys and him being like, uh, you know, I think that was Pacheco's first big start uh, when after CEH got hurt was that game against the chargers. And we know the chargers struggle to stop the run. And um, Eckler was just like, I told him he's, Oh yeah, he's a, he's like, I don't know much about the guy. Like, and you know, I say he was the kick returner for them. That's kind of how he made the roster. And he's like, well, that makes sense. He runs like a kick returner. He runs like he has (laughs) no idea about like the nuances of the running back position. Yeah. But if he learns those, if he figures that out, like that's, that's, he could become a great player was his, was his opinion on it. And I think we sort of seen with Pacheco, just how he closed out the game against Denver. Um, I think he's starting to kind of figure it out a little bit, starting to sort of pick up some of the the little things with the position. And um, man, they really, I've said this about the chiefs the last like two or three years in the playoffs, especially it's like they could really use, I'm they could really use a, a, their first round running back that they took to do something, but like they could really use a, a, a power dynamic at the running back position, you know, Hey, yeah. we're a, we're a up-tempo passing team, but when we get a, but we, we have a kick-ass offensive line that we invested in last off season. And, you know, and we want to give it back like 15, 18 carries, this guy can come just run, run you over. And man, like Pacheco, the last couple of carries he got against Denver running people over. So I think they got a nice little one, two punch there at the running back position. And just last thing on, on that rotation, I would, I am interested about McCole Hardman returning uh, mm. off IR there too, because mm-hmm. you know, I'm not the biggest McCole Hardman stand in the world or anything like that, but he had become a really big piece of their like goal line offense. Weirdly enough, obviously not running up the gut or anything like that, but some stretch runs, some, some sweeps and stuff like that. They really involved him a lot as a rusher in that area. And I wonder if that becomes another, like something else they do, or if, Hey, they trust Pacheco now more, and that's not a part of their offense when he gets back. 
Yeah, I, you know, knowing Andy Reid, I'm sure McCall will still be utilized in on those jet sweeps because he just loves, you know, kind of mixing it up. Um, he does, yeah. yeah, it's a team that is getting a lot healthier too. You know, it's kind of scary because uh, they're already really, really good, and now they're starting to get healthier too. That's really interesting. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Perception, perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, hey, listen, um, 538 has the Chiefs as the third favorite to win the Super Bowl at the 17%. They've got the Eagles at 24% and the Bills at 99 or excuse me, at 19%. Um, I guess where do you want to go with this conversation in regards to, you know, playoff forecasting? Uh, and the like. I am curious, kind of almost not like from an objective standpoint. I'm curious who you would want to make up the last couple of seeds in each conference, right? Um, because, you know, I think at this point we know obviously those teams that you mentioned there, like these are the teams they've got at least a 98% chance to make the playoffs Eagles, right. Bills, Chiefs, Cowboys, Bengals, Ravens. Vikings and 49ers uh the next highest team is the Titans at 85% because they're ha- they have an 85% chance to win their division I don't think we we foresee the even if the Titans have problems um right. certainly they fired their general manager it's, it's going on there. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's pretty safe to say that the Titans are going to moonwalk to the playoffs but these teams that come after that you know um all the way down from uh you know if you look at the Dolphins at 70% to like the lions giants and jets at 20 45 and 33 percent i'm just curious who you think like has a like who you'd want to see in the playoffs and if any of those teams could make noise over the guys that we said earlier have the 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 98 plus percent chance i mean don't we want to see detroit like they're such a fun little team we kind of do yeah we do we do (laughs) because i mean again it's like there are some you know, like there's the Jared Goff thing. He, he'll, he'd be back in the NFC playoff picture. Uh, people are familiar with that. But then you've got young stars like Amon Ross St. Brown, Dan Campbell out there just being all fired up, you know, talking about things. Ben Johnson getting onto a bigger stage now. No, I think the Lions are a lot of fun, man. And like, you know, points will most likely be scored, you know, I mean, unless they've got to go like outside in weather, you know, but if like, I don't know, like if they somehow yeah. get matched up with like Minnesota, like that would be a lot of fun. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, I think I, I'd love to see the Lions. I think uh, kind of make that postseason dance and shake it up a little. Yeah. Now they, um, they, they only have a 20% chance according to five thirty eight, So they're, they're definitely a bit of a yeah. long shot. They need some help. Although they need teams like, you know, Washington and New York to like, screw it up. I think that's, you know, they're perfectly capable of doing that. Right. <laughs> totally Cause yeah, Dallas yeah, yeah. is definitely going to get there. Dallas is almost certainly going to get the fifth seed. Um, and unfortunately we have to have some team from the NFC South. Uh, so the, the six and the seventh seed is really what's up for debate uh, in the NFC. Now Detroit gets New York, the jets in New York this week. 
that's tough. Um, that's a tough all, look, man. Yeah. If my thought is all of this Jared Goff discourse that has been forced upon us by 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 the nerds and the film grinders this past week <laughs> is going to look. I mean, well, one side will certainly be right. We know which side it will be. But everybody that's that's really been forcing this Jared Goff discourse on us, I think it's going to look pretty bad when Goff yeah. has to go to New York, play outside against the Jets defense. I mean, the Uh-oh. last four. Yeah, the last four games, they have the Bills in there, but they also have the Giants, the Jags and 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 the uh, the Vikings and three of the, the last three were in in Detroit. So. Then they go to Carolina in week 16. Uh, they play Chicago in the Dome in week 17, and then they go to Green Bay uh, in the final week of the season. So I think it's going to be tough for Detroit to make it, but it would be fun. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. Um, it's supposed to be relatively cold, 39 degrees there on Sunday. Um, as long as there's no rain or precipitation or snow, um, I think golf will be no relatively fun. Yeah, no snow, no rain. Uh, I think Goff will be relatively fine. Dude, guys, I've been watching Jared Goff every freaking game since he's been in Cal. All right. Like, let me tell you something. This dude cannot play in weather. He just cannot do it. It's literally impossible. I saw a game where he went to freaking Oregon and it was like raining uh, really hard. And the guy had like, I think like seven fumbles and maybe I think he lost five of them. Something absolutely outrageous. He's got those baby hands, cannot hold onto the football uh, in rain, cannot do it. Uh, but as long yeah, as he's, he's dry, he's a, he, it's okay. He's a California guy. He's a California guy, man. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. He, he oh, is, yeah. <laughs> you people, you people can't, you people can't. Can't it, you it can't go below sixty <laughs> degrees without you put you putting oh your park God. on and and it can't uh you can't drive when it rains. That's Jared Goff, but it, from a football 100%. perspective, hundred dude. I I wish I, I wish I could disagree, but that is totally <laughs> true, hundred percent true. But yeah, no, I think I think it's it's not going to be a good look. Not against this Jets defense, dude. On the road, by the way, can I give you a crazy stat on Jared Goff, dude? 20 of his 22 passing touchdowns have come at home. He has two touchdowns and seven turnovers on the road. He's got 20 touchdowns and two interceptions at home. That is the most batshit crazy home road split I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm not crazy about the home road split stuff all the time, but at least there's a legit explanation for that, and we just talked about it. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. You get you get California, <laughs> you get Cali boy uh, outside, <laughs> and it's not good. I mean, he's just nope. so he's so perfectly suited for the the system he's in, and pl- especially yeah. when you take that system and you put it in the dome in Detroit, he's so perfectly suited for that. But yeah, there's certainly going to be a ceiling on that. Um, because like, can you win enough games in the regular season to then get like the first seed with the, unless everything around him is just awesome. I, I don't know. And then he's going to be playing, <laughs> going to be playing on the road in the playoffs and, and you're going to, you're going to have bad weather games. So I think that's part of the calculus of like the whole Jared Goff thing. But yeah, I, I definitely think it would be fun to see the lions. But um, then again, if they, cause I guess they'd go to play. Well, yeah, they'd go to play Minnesota cause they're probably going to be the second seed. And then that would be a fun playoff game if they were the final seed. But I mean, God. And obviously they could win it and they could, they could win it. 
And then, you know, you know they then they'd have to go play Philadelphia in Philadelphia, and that would that would probably not be. Uh, a, they not would be just a. get their yeah breaks beaten off. Uh, <laughs> actually, it is kind of interesting though, right? Like I know the NFC's got you know all these East Coast teams, but then actually, if you think about it, there's a, a lot of situations where you don't run into weather, like Tampa Bay or like New Orleans is in a dome, Dallas is in a dome, so you actually can't avoid the weather in in, a, in quite a few spots. But you're right, like you know, if you got to go to like San Francisco. Yeah, the or the, like the Giants or something like yeah, like if you go to San Francisco or Arizona or L.A., like um, you know you're kind of avoiding a lot of the weather too. Um, although Seattle is 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 always rainy, and that's probably why Jared Goff always sucks in Seattle. So there you go, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. I, w- I would love to. I do kind of. I do kind of want to see the Seahawks make it uh, as the seventh seed over the Giants. I mean, Ooh, I just, yeah, 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 hundred percent. Hat tip to what you've done, Giants. Um, but come on, man. I, we don't need to be watching like Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins and, and, and you know, Saquon Barkley limping to the end of the season. I, we don't need to see that in the playoffs. And, and like, oh my God. I mean, all three of these teams that we're talking about here, and it's just unbelievable that it's like, oh, the Lions, the Seahawks, and, and the damn Giants. It's like, who's going to have the last seed there? Yeah. Um, I mean, even it's like Washington. Yeah, for sure. Send, send Washington in the sixth seed. I mean, I can't believe it. But like, um, all three of those teams can sort of kind of hang their like hang their head high if they don't make the playoffs. I think Seattle's calculus changed when they got such great play out of Geno Smith this year that like it would probably be a little disappointing if they ended up on the outside looking in. But they're still doing like kind of a, a soft reset, right? Like that and trying yeah. to build something for for the next chapter of this Pete Carroll regime. Giants, I mean, nobody expected them to be here. Like, nobody expected uh, Brian Dable's first season to go like this. And obviously, Detroit, is they started one and six. So, like, all three of those teams, I feel like they could, except Seattle a little bit, could, like, hang their head high. But I would love to see Seattle make it. You know, they get San Francisco on Thursday night, uh, which is tonight, if you're listening to this on Thursday. Then they get Kansas City, the Jets, and the Rams. It's not the easiest schedule there. That That's kind of tough. I think from the AFC side, I I would be so disappointed if we didn't get a little Justin Herbert in the postseason, you know, like set that up a little bit that I think that could be a lot of fun, even though I know the Chargers have a lot of warts and like, you know, a lot of holes on that roster. Um, And they're absolutely a team that could get just annihilated in the the postseason. But at the same time. I mean, let's be real. Who really wants to see the Chargers if they get there, though? That's a scary team. It's a scary team because they have Herbert and Herbert's awesome. And they have a schedule that they could, I think they kind of, they have, according to 538, they have a 55% uh, chance to make the playoffs, which I actually was pretty surprised. That's kind of high. But I think a lot of it is their opponents the the rest of the way. They get the Titans this week. The Titans are so banged up in the secondary that that (sighs) their whole defense is just blown up. It really is. And they're like a perfect matchup for the Chargers because the Chargers can't and now are just kind of like giving up on running the ball. Um, but they they just – and they're so good as a rush defense, it, it's almost like inviting teams to pass on them. So, yeah. you know, Joe Lombardi can just run a bunch of cur- like nine-yard curl, <laughs> seven-yard curl routes up and down the field <laughs> against the Tennessee Titans. Maybe we'll actually get a shot play. Maybe we'll actually get a shot play uh, like schemed up, not just like Herbert improvising or whatever against the Titans. But then they get the Colts, they get the Rams and the Broncos. Like, right. I could uh, look, the Chargers are a tough team to trust. But I could totally see them winning out in that scenario, and that would probably be good mm-hmm. enough to get them a playoff berth. Um, and, and two, like Brandon Staley's talked about, you know, Joey Bosa might be coming back soon. Rashawn mm-hmm. Slater might even be able to come back by the postseason if if they're playing postseason games. So it could weirdly be a team 
that is that peaks at the right time and gets healthy at the right time because you know Khalil Mack's stats with and without Joey Bosa are pretty drastic because the whole right. point of Khalil Mack was like you want him to be the number two, the second fiddle across from Joey Bosa, and that was working great when Bosa was there. But then as soon as Bosa, you know, is not the number one concern of a, of an offensive line, it, it's problematic with Khalil Mack at this point. So I, I agree, would be great to see them. Selfishly though, I almost kind of want to have them take a look in the mirror this off season, like, and maybe have <laughs> Herbert in a different offensive uh-huh. system, which probably would not happen if, uh, if they make the playoffs, no. but I would like for, I would, I'm rooting for the Chargers obviously because of, because of Eckler in the show. So I, yeah, I'd like to see them in the playoffs. We don't need the, the Patriots in the playoffs, please. God, like if you're oh, listening, geez. Yeah, at, no. at, at God, if you're listening, please <laughs> do whatever you can do to <laughs> intervene on this nonsense. Oh God! Do we have? I mean, do we have to see the Patriots? I mean, honestly, the the road for them is pretty tough, though, right? Like, uh, yeah. they've got Las Vegas, which is uh, a very winnable game, but then Cincinnati and Miami, uh, in the two games following that, that's a tough stretch right there, boy. Let me tell you, uh, they could lose both of those games, and once they do, uh, they'd be out of the out of that mix entirely. So, no, um, I'm not anticipating the Patriots. Uh, making the charge on the AFC side. So not, it would be a lot of fun, though, if we, we got the Chargers. Although, to your point, because of the Spanos family, and, and you know this is one of the, the, the real poverty franchises uh, yeah. in the NFL, although it is strange that, they're, that the two, like, I guess, poorest franchises, the Chargers and the Raiders, are in the same division. Uh, but, yeah, I can't imagine if they make the postseason, the Spanos is then paying out the, their, these coaches uh, and then bringing on uh, Sean Payton at a very high rate as well. Yes, Although who knows what's happening in the shadows, man, this might, there might be a shadow deal already in place. I don't know. Like the way people are talking about Sean Payton to the chargers, man, it's, it almost sounds like a done deal. Although now there's all these whispers that maybe he just comes back to new Orleans. That's, that's sort of starting to percolate as well, which is, I mean, that, that would be easy, right? Like, Oh, Hey, just Dennis Allen, get your ass back down to defensive coordinator. And, <laughs> I don't know. We'll That's we'll true. let uh, Sean Payton come in there and decide if he wants to start Andy Dalton every week. I mean, I guess, but no, oh. that would be that would be interesting. I'd love to see and and like a lot of the terminology would be the same because Lombardi. I don't think you know. Obviously, he's not Sean Payton from like a design standpoint or a play calling right. standpoint. But uh, yeah, language is probably same, the same. Language is the same because of you yeah. know Lombardi was obviously with uh, Sean Payton yep. in, in New Orleans for several several stints. So, but yeah, man, the bottom of the AFC playoff race is could get really weird because we have the Patriots there. I mean, my God, again, I don't think the Patriots need to be in the playoffs. Like, we don't need this Matt Patricia thing <laughs> to be validated in any way. <laughs> um, it, Although know, the the hyper focus on Mac Jones is like you know, lip reading and facial, you know, recognition, like, you know, the body language stuff like, Oh man, that, that actually could be a lot of fun though. Honestly, I guess, but like, you know what he thinks <laughs> you, you know what he thinks. Like I, I asked that during the Arizona game, when was the moment that Mac Jones knew he was absolutely over this Matt Patricia thing? Was it week one? Was it the opening day of training camp? Was it the first time somebody told him this was going to happen? Also, when did somebody tell him this was going to happen, right? Because this is like, it was held off. Nobody would confirm it in New England. Like, oh, who's calling plays? If they're going to hire an offensive coordinator, oh, Josh McDaniels, when are they going to name a play caller? And Bill just never did. He still hasn't. But we see, we have eyes. We see freaking Patricia calling plays on the sideline. So, yep. I don't know. I just don't uh, need, yeah. don't need the Patriots don't need the Patriots in the in the in the mix at all. But like, you know, you the go. Jets are the fourth 
fourth team in the AFC East. So can they make a push? The Dolphins, you know, I think it's going to be a big proving proving session here for the Dolphins. We've talked about it on shows recently that like, you know, this game plan that Staley put together, um, even what they showed against San Francisco with, you know, hard press man coverage on the outside and like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle can get open, but does it disrupt to a like, man, I mean, the Chargers, you just the more you go back and watch that game, they just did so much to take away the middle of the field, you know, and yeah. can Tua push the ball deep and outside the numbers? It's an open question. And like these next four games for them, they go to Buffalo on Saturday night. You got Saturday games this week, people. So I know. Pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention. Don't don't get too lit on on Friday night and forget to set your, <laughs> your lineups. Make sure you take yeah. care of your business ahead of time. Be an there adult. Yeah. Be an adult. Handle your business. If you're gonna win fantasy championships, you gotta handle your business. You but anyway, so on Saturday night, Buffalo, that's a tough one. I could see Sean McDermott putting together a great game plan. Res- Leslie Frazier putting together a great, great game plan to take For away sure. the middle of the field. Green Bay. Eh. I don't have a lot of faith in Joe Barry uh, putting nope. that same game plan together. The Bill Belichick uh, in week 17, and then they get that's... the Jets in week 18. That's three, at least three <clears throat> matchups that like make you raise an eyebrow too. Uh, Buffalo's got to be looking for blood too. I, I think, oh, I think yeah. they want a little, little bit of revenge uh, against the dolphins. What a weird game that was, you know, like uh, yep. they had all these yards and they had no points whatsoever. Um, and then Green Bay, obviously, I think is a dub for the Dolphins. Um, but man, maybe Bill Belichick. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't have that. I I just feel like Green Bay's got one foot out the door. I don't know. They don't. They're not playing. I don't know. I, I could be wrong, but they look like they're playing like they're double parked. I don't know. Um, and then the Dolphins, and then and again going to New England. Oh baby, going to New England. Got to go see Bill Belichick and the boys. They're gonna have something drawn up there. But can can uh, the Patriots even score enough points? Can they get to like seventeen points? I if they can get to twenty points, they might have a chance at winning that game, man. But uh, but I don't know. Uh, maybe, but they probably won't. So that's probably a loss. Uh, for the Patriots there as well. This podcast is running a little bit long, so I'm going to get out of here, let the people go here uh, as we go head first into week number 15 here. Fantasy playoffs, week number one. Oh my gosh, it's the best time of the year, baby. Win or go home, that's what we're looking at right now. Uh, and as Matt said, we got some games. We got some games up and down the slate here. Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. let's go. Let's make it happen. And of course, if you guys do have questions, um, dude, are you guys in the Discord? Are, have you guys subscribed to this channel? My God, what is going on? Go to receptionperception.com. Sign up for uh, a, a subscription today. And of course, subscribe to the podcast as well. All right, for Matt Harmon, I am James Cole. See you.